What's up? And welcome to the Very Best Self Podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Brown. Tune in each week as I have candid conversations with inspiring humans, including athletes, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and anyone out there making waves. Get ready to leave your comfort zone behind, step into your power, and live a more purpose-driven life. I am so happy that you're here. Now let's do this. Welcome back to the Very Best Self Podcast. I am your host, Victoria Brown. I'm so pumped that you're here, you guys. Uh, You guys. You guys, you guys, you guys. Today's episode, like I just finished recording. And so kind of the way I usually do it is like I'll record the episode and then I come back and do the intro, right? Um, So I have Patrice Washington on today. When I tell you, like I just had so much fun recording this episode and she is such an inspiring human. And there's just so many moments in this episode. Like I'm not just saying these things. Like I genuinely from the bottom of my heart, like really, really mean it. Like she was just such an like... I don't know, a joy to speak to. And she, anyway, so Patrice is a financial expert. She is a best selling author of Redefined, Redefine Wealth for Yourself. Um, she's been on Dr. Oz. She's been on Steve Harvey. Um, also, I love Steve Harvey. Uh, and she's just like, a super inspiring person um, who talks about money uh, in a way that is really not about money and more about our purpose and why we are here on this earth, uh, which of course, you know, I love all of that kind of stuff. Um, I think if you are stuck in your life at all whatsoever or questioning why you work so hard to get to a certain place and then all of a sudden don't feel fulfilled in that place, even though you work so hard to be there, um, I think Patrice kind of has a really unique and eloquent way of uncovering why you might be feeling those feelings. Beyond that, she also teaches people about public speaking and how to command the stage, which is a workshop that she runs um, to help keynote speakers develop their talks. Um, So, gosh, she has her own podcast as well. Um, You can follow her on Instagram at Seeks, S-E-E-K-S, Wisdom, P-C-W. And so without further ado, I think this is going to be one of your favorite episodes. I'm just going to say it. Oh, my God. Boom. There. There I said it. Uh, I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. Let's get into it. All right, you guys. Today I have Patrice Washington on the show and she is going to make all of our money dreams, money magic happen. All the money magic today and also how we can speak a little bit more clearly. We're going to get into that a little bit later in the episode and talk about exactly what that means. Um, But anyways, I'm super excited to have you on today, Patrice. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here as well. Yes. So you are a financial expert. You have written books on, you know, being, you know, in charge of your own wealth and creating wealth and the mindset around creating wealth in your life. And so that's kind of like probably the big, big ticket item that we're going to talk about today. And Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just excited to hear your perspective, especially as we're coming into, you know, the new year. Um, You know, I guess we should begin at the beginning, you know, what kind of made you want to become a financial coach yourself? And what drew you to be (laughs) interested in that? It's so funny when you say begin at the beginning, I want to say like it all started in 1981. Now, you know, people tell their whole story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So what got me here? Honestly, I always tell people that while I have all the textbook knowledge, I'm really here because of my own testimony. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, I've done all the media and the five books on personal finance, and I speak all over the world on this stuff. But the truth is, I wouldn't be as 
passionate as I am about financial education if it didn't come from a true place of compassion. Because when I graduated from college, I started actually before I graduated, I started a real estate and mortgage brokerage during my senior year in college. It was supposed wow. to be a, a mock business that I really was like, hmm, I think I could do this. And so I went ahead and got my broker's license in California, became a real estate and mortgage broker. Uh, by 25, that was a seven-figure business. And I thought, whoop, whoop, I thought that that would go on forever, Victoria. The problem yeah. is it did not. So what happened shortly thereafter was the recession. Mm -hmm. And when the recession hit, when I first realized, Houston, we have a problem, <laughs> I was actually on bed rest in the hospital. Oh, wow. I had taken a fall down the stairs at 20 weeks pregnant. And when oh, I got no. to the emergency room, they said, ma'am, I'm so sorry. This baby's coming any minute now. And so here I am, uh, 26 years old relatively healthy in the hospital with them saying the baby's not going to make it. And what was supposed to be any minute now actually turned into me being on hospital bed rest for 10 weeks. Thank goodness she was a fighter and she held on, but 10 weeks in the hospital, if you can imagine that. And I'm there on hospital bed rest and about four or five weeks in, I'm watching the news and every day I'm hearing about banks closing down. And these are the financial institutions that I work with. These wow. are the banks that my, by then, 16 loan officers and real estate agents, we're sending our files through these banks that are literally closing down before my eyes. And so I'm in the hospital with a belt that's monitoring the baby 24-7. I'm watching the news. Every day, banks are closing down. My loan officers and real estate agents are calling every day, freaking out. My client's losing their deal. We're about to lose this deposit. What are we going to do? And everyone was so used to me being the fixer. Right. I was the, the smart one, right? So everyone came to me to always figure it out. And here I am on hospital bed rest. I can barely figure out how I'm going to get out this bed and go to the bathroom. Wow. A couple times a day. And my doctor came in and she said, Patrice, I don't know what you're stressing about, but we're monitoring the baby and you are stressing the baby out. And I'm here to tell you, if you don't stop, you're going to leave here two years in a row with no baby because the year before I had a son prematurely and wow. he passed away after five hours in my arms. Same hospital, same floor, same doctor. And so that was the first time I remember understanding what it meant to surrender. I'm like That's <laughs> tearing up. You see my ears, my eyes <laughs> welling up. <laughs> That's the first time that I learned what it meant to surrender. Um, because before then I thought surrender was giving up, but I realized it was letting go and not trying to force things that I had no control over, but taking it one day at a time and making a choice that, you know what, even if I lost it all, I'll have to figure out how I'm going to make it back. I got to, I got to believe that I'll make it back. Mm -hmm. But what matters right now is bringing this baby into the world healthy and whole. And so I asked them to take the TV off the wall. And this isn't, the cute plasma screen TVs, Victoria. I'm talking yeah. box. <laughs> you got to roll it out. I'm talking a box TV. Little, they had to come in with a stepladder, two maintenance guys, and take the TV off the wall. And I really wow. just prayed and faithed my way through that whole experience. But I share that because that was the beginning of a big spiral for me because I got out of the hospital. My daughter was born at 30 weeks, three pounds, two ounces, but she was healthy. She stayed in the NICU for about three weeks herself. 
by the time I got out and she got out, I also left with a healthy amount of medical debt because my insurance had dropped me and I didn't even know. So here I am in the hospital racking up nearly $400,000 of medical debt, no deals closing, tenants not paying rent because now the recession is really starting to ramp up and people are losing jobs left and right. Right. And it was a nightmare. And so I went from this seven-figure business to a year later scraping up change. We had exhausted savings. My home foreclosed. We sold everything we could on Craigslist over a weekend and fled from Los Angeles to Metairie, Louisiana. And we were in this teeny tiny 600 square foot apartment where I had the, I call it like a come to Jesus moment, but where I had that, that big, like, okay, uh, what do I do now? I had just chased the power man down, begging him to turn the lights back on and the power on, or my daughter's milk is going to spoil. And I don't have money for more milk. Like that's where I was. And humbled by that, I remember my husband taking my daughter. I get in the mirror and I'm just, you know how you kind of get in the mirror and talk to yourself? You ever been sick and tired of being sick and tired of yourself? Uh, Yes, yes. (laughs) Where you're just like, okay, now I brought myself as far as I can take myself. Like, I don't know what else to do. I've done, I've, I've been the smart one. I've tried to figure out all these things. Every door that I thought I could kick open, slam shut in my face, nothing is working. And it turned into me sniffling, but then it turned into that bawling, like snotting, crying, all the ugly cry that just, you don't even recognize yourself. You're like, I got to hit stop on the tape and it's got to stop right now. Like (laughs) immediately, like immediately. Not on the crying, but like stop on the tape in terms of like what's going on. Like we got to figure, we got to hit stop. Like is like the, the mind circulation of the things, the thoughts that we have that are just no longer working. And then the experiences that are around us because of the thoughts that we're having that are no longer working. And then the ugly cry happens and you're like, you got to hit stop on the tape in your mind and you just got to like bootstrap your shit and like figure it out and figure it out. And that's where I was. And I mean, that bawling, snot and crying that turned into me literally fetal position on the ground in the bathroom, you know, knees on the linoleum, forehead on the linoleum. And I'm like, God, why me? Like, I've been a good person. I operate in integrity. Like I try to treat people fairly. Like, how did I get here? I was the smart one. I did what they said, do get good grades, go to school. You know, you should be fine. This should not be happening to me. And it was though. And I heard what I refer to as a still small voice, but this idea like get your Bible. I found this scripture. It was Proverbs 17, 16. And Mm -hmm. even if you're not like religious, it's a great quote, right? Just take it as a quote. It said, what good is money in the hands of a fool if they have no desire to seek wisdom? Mm. What good is money in the hands of a fool if they had no desire to seek wisdom? And that was like light bulb moment because it was the first time it dawned on me that I've been a very smart kid. I had been a very smart person. I could pass an exam on the first try. I had the certification. I had the license early. But did I have wisdom? I don't know. That's the first day I looked up the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Mm. Okay. I had a lot of knowledge. The knowledge is information, it's education, but wisdom is the application of it. Many of us are very, are, we're book smart. Some of us listen to enough podcasts and we attend enough coaching programs and seminars right. to have all of the knowledge, but we don't know how to apply it when it's time to apply it. Right. And that was a big aha moment for me because I have been very smart and I have been used to being the smart one. but 
even the application of wisdom, a part of what I learned is you have to learn how to ask for help. And up until that point, everything that I've told you, my friends and family didn't even know what was going on. They thought we moved pleasantly. No, we fled because of everything that happened. We didn't move pleasantly. So they had no idea what was going on. And I had never uttered a word to anyone but my husband. Like we were in it together, figuring it out. And so what I felt when I got off that bathroom floor, when I read that scripture, uh, my first grade teacher, Ms. Boynton, told me, when you know something, you have a responsibility to share with your friends. And I've carried that my whole life. And what it made me want to do was share that new aha, like, hey, this journey isn't just about chasing money. We have to seek wisdom, guys. We, we, we all heard what Big Mama said. Oh, you got to save 10% of what you bring in. Like we know all the basic <laughs> yeah. things about money, but why are we not doing it? We lack wisdom. There's an application right. of knowledge that's just off because we lack wisdom. And there's a lot of reasons that I believe we lack wisdom. There's a lot of clutter that many of us experience in our minds that prevent us in our environments and our relationships that prevent us from doing the things we already know to do. So I've been on a mission. That bathroom floor moment was March 9, 2009. I will never forget it. That day changed my life. And I've been on a mission ever since to share with my friends. You're my friend now. The listeners are my friends. I've been on a mission to share with my friends that we have to do more than chase money. We have to seek wisdom. And if we have the wisdom, we can always come back no matter what happens. We can always come back. Yes. And that's your motto, chase purpose, not wealth. Chase purpose, not money. Oh, chase purpose, <laughs> not money. Eh? Yeah. Um, and so I love that. And that's what you share with people all the time. And so is what's the correlation there, right? If you find what you're passionate about, does the money follow or do people get it wrong? And do they do it the other way around? I hate that. I hate when people say, follow your passion and the money will come. Okay, let's break that down. It, Why do you hate it? it? Tell me. I'm excited. I, I felt it. I felt my back get hot when you started, when you said it. <laughs> I hate people that say it all the time. It's a common they do, thing. And I hate it every time. I hate oh, it every good. time. Let's you know why? Because yes. I think that many of us are passionate about things we're not proficient in. We are passionate about things that are cute and nice and they could be hobbies, but that's not really going to be the thing that leads you to your wealth. And I believe that when you understand what your purpose is, and I don't believe in looking for purpose, but we'll get back to that. I think that when you understand your purpose, you can better set your priorities, financial or otherwise. And those things will lead you to the wealth that you desire. Many of us are passionate about things we're not proficient in. Victoria, I love to sing in the shower. Love it. We'll belt out a Whitney Houston tune, girl. Mariah Carey, Adele, Adele's new album right now. I'm like, girl, I am in the shower with it. However, just because I'm passionate about it, because it excites me, because it gives me energy, because it brings me joy, because it makes me feel good. If it's not helpful to others, then it's just about you. Right. Passion is for you. Purpose is for others. It's about how can you use your gifts and what you're great at to be a blessing to others. If other people are not excited about my singing, more than likely, it's not in alignment with my purpose. That's a mic drop moment. (laughs) <laughs> right there. Um, I, I love that. that I mean, and it makes so much sense. And so I want to go back to what the point you were about to make um, in terms of purpose. Yeah. So we say ch- chase purpose, not money. 
because I just feel that we live in a society that has made money and material possessions the ultimate thing. And so many people are miserable and unfulfilled and unhappy in their lives, but they have sizable bank accounts. And I just don't think that's the end all be all. So we believe not in the surface level current definition of wealth. When you go to dictionary.com, you might see the first definition is money and material possessions. Mm. Well, if you live only focused on that, only focused on accumulating more money. And for some people, it's an obsession with paying off debt. There's like an obsession with their credit reports. They're almost hoarders, right? Like I have to keep this all because it, they'll be happy when. This will be this will be good for me when I'm 50 and 60 and 70. And I'm like, yes, plan for the future, but enjoy your life today as well. Right. Because right. tomorrow's not promised and we know that, right? But the true 12th century definition of wealth, the original definition of wealth was the condition of well-being and happiness. Wealth, W-E-L-A-L, is well, T-H, the condition of. Like, that's it. <laughs> well-being and happiness. It was never cars. It was never McMansions. It was right. never first-class trips to Dubai. It was never you know, got to get my kids in all the private schools and kill myself in the process. It was right. never that. But we are so, we can become so obsessed with those things that we spend our lives focused so much on that, that we literally waste the rest of our life. Like we're, we're human beings, not human doings. We're here to have right. a full experience. And so many of the people that I meet, it is so much just about work and money yeah. that all the other like, parts of their life fall by the wayside. Right. We we define our own self-worth by how many things we can cross off the to-do list, by X amount of money that we can make in our, you know, have in our bank account. And that's just how we define our self-worth, not on how we treat people, not on how we show up in the world, not how we can be of service to others. And, you know, yeah, I think if you focus on that first, that yeah. that's maybe the mindset, right? It's like, if you focus on those things first, not passion and the money follows, but if you focus on, yeah, what you're saying, purpose yeah, and the reason that we're here and how we can help others, then everything follows. Yeah. Cause there's a fulfillment that comes with that. Right. And, right. and what I actually study is financial psychology. And for years before I got my certification in financial psychology, when I worked with people one-on-one -on -one back in the day as a financial coach, I'll tell you, didn't matter how much money people made. I worked with people who made $25,000 a year and I worked with people who made $150,000, $200,000 a year. Still, we're having the same challenges. Oh my gosh, can you show me how to budget? Oh my goodness, I don't know how to save. Oh my good, like all same backstory, like same mindset behind why they weren't doing things. And the commonality that I found every time is that when people were not fulfilled in what they did day in and day out, when they didn't know or feel like they knew what their purpose was, they could not set their priorities. So it would become about everything else. The, the problem is not that you don't make enough. You may have a people problem, <laughs> right? Like you may have a problem with boundaries. And so because you lack boundaries, your budget is always busted because you're putting people on the budget, trying to buy friendships, trying to keep a relationship that has expired or, you know, trying to prove your self-worth through like, oh, I'm going to the bar and buying the bar out. It's like, you don't have a money problem. You have a people problem and you have a oh, you yeah. problem. 
So these things keep creating a void when you are not doing what your purpose to do day in and day out. It creates this void and we try to fill it with stuff. We try to fill it with people. We try to fill it with all these other things. But what I found in my work is the only thing that you can fill it with are the things that actually make you fulfilled. That's the one that doesn't go away. That's the one that's like, mm, mm, I feel good about what I do every day and the people I get to work with and how I get to show up and serve. I don't really need to surf the internet shopping all day. I'm fulfilled. I yeah. don't need to do that. I love that. I love that. I love that. So what would you say, because I'm sure that a lot of your clients that you have, you know, ask this question, but what do you say to the listener who's like, this sounds great, but I don't know what my purpose is? I say that you probably know what your purpose is. You're just afraid Definitely. to embrace it. Mm. I say I we all that, know. Yeah, I think we do. I think that many of us don't embrace it because we're in comparison mode. Many of us start to question if it can be purpose because it doesn't look as sexy and so-and-so's, right? Like, so we look to the left, we look to the right and we're like, but so-and-so is doing has this X. thing and right. so-and-so has this. And, you know, for anyone who's listening, who's a parent, if you can just go with me here. And even if you're not a parent, you've seen a kid before. So follow the story. <laughs> you know, I think about how often I would pine over the Christmas gifts I wanted to get for my daughter. I have, you know, I have the one. So you can imagine, guys. Yes, yeah, she's fairly spoiled. I'm not even going to lie. She's fairly spoiled, but she still has a good head on her shoulder. She's 14 now. Um, but when she was younger, you know, thinking about, okay, what Hello Kitty thing am I going to get? Or like, what, what things are we going to get? And then to see her open the gifts on that day and then still say to my husband and I, well, Madison across the street got a bike. And it's like, but we talked about this. We planned these gifts for you. We may have saved up. We put a lot of effort. You know, I may have you know, talk to someone crazy at Target in order to get this for you. <laughs> like I may have had to push another parent out the way. You don't know what I've been through, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. right? To get you this gift. And then you turn and you don't want the gift that's in front of you. You want to go across the street and you want to covet someone else's gift. Oh, so what do you say to that? Because I'm not a parent yet, but I mean, mm -hmm. I think this is deep. Like I'm interested. Yeah. I related to what we do with our purpose. I think that we are each born with a unique set of gifts, talents, skills that we were given freely at birth. There's a reason that you love what you do. There's a reason that you're attracted to the things you're attracted to. You know, I always tell folks, you know, cooking is not my ministry. Not my ministry. I like to eat, but when it comes to trying to actually cook a meal, my pits start sweating. I start breaking out. Like, yeah. it is a whole thing. It's not my thing, right? But it wasn't necessarily a part of my purpose anyway. So what am I going to sweat that for? It doesn't, it's not my thing and it's okay. It's not that I can't go learn, but it wouldn't be something that you'd pay me to do. You might pay me to stop. I don't know, right? But the gifts that I have, my ability to command a stage, my ability to communicate with others, my ability to help people, you know, or actually help push people into purpose, like my ability to naturally encourage and inspire. I was doing that as a kid. I didn't even know it was a thing. I was a natural right. leader. People came to me all the time. I didn't even know it was a thing. 
that was my gift. That has always been a part of my gifting. Why would I look at your gifts and covet what you have when I've already been endowed with what I'm supposed to do? And if I just accepted it and embraced it, if I didn't go, but Victoria is doing this, Samantha's doing that. Look at her. She's able to do this. If I stopped looking around and just said, what's the thing that I've been doing since I was a kid? Because it's been here. The thing that I always got in trouble for? Talking. Same. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, there were two podcasters, right? We're two podcasters Mm -hmm. now. I speak on stages. I speak on television. I speak on radio. All I do is talk. My parents are floored all the time. They're like, I can't believe people pay you to talk. And And I'm like, like, yeah, I can. And many of us, the reason that we don't recognize it as a gift is because in childhood, someone probably dismissed or diminished it. Yes. And we just started to question it. So because I got in trouble for talking, every teacher from elementary school right through college, I always got in trouble for talking. So it was the thing that I never thought I would actually be paid to do as an adult because I was always told there was something wrong with it. But it's been right in front of my face the entire time. All I had to do, which is what I did after I got up off the bathroom floor and as time went on, started to figure this stuff out was if you genuinely like to talk, what are you going to talk about? So I matched it with my experience. What's the content? And so I start to talk my natural gift about something I was passionate about, personal finance. And even though I had lost all my money, the thing that kept me going was my mind wasn't bad. I lost all my money, but I still know what I know. And even if I'm not a perfect 10, there's people who don't know what I know. So I should at least talk to them and bring them up to speed to where I am. And that's how it started. It wasn't your fault what happened in 2009. Like, let's get back to that. It's not Mm -hmm. like you lost all your money because you were irresponsible or you did something wrong. Like, I watched, like, you know, my parents go through that. I watched, like, people I know go through that. And, like, Mm -hmm. there were a lot of bathroom floor moments. A lot of bathroom floor moments. And, you know, my mom worked in mortgages. So, like, that was, like, a direct thing. Oh, you saw it. Yeah. I saw it straight up. I saw, like, what my mom went through on an emotional level years following trying to pick herself up and and put herself back together. Um, So, like, yeah, like, I know exactly what it felt like. I know that when that happened, it was like, you know, when you you got volleyball practice and, you know, the coach needs $50 for the jersey or whatever it is. Like, it was just like, man, like, you need that now this week. Like, and it was stressful. It was really stressful. So, like, I grew up you know, really feeling exactly what it is that you're talking about. Um, And to talk about purpose, like just a little bit deeper, I think a lot of people also confuse purpose with what you do for a living because purpose can lead you to what you do for a living and how you bring the money in and how you make money. But I think like it's, it's more important to recognize that purpose is really rooted in the things that make you tick, the things that make you come alive. So for you, like you said, like you love public speaking and like, you know, you, you like we're, I've heard you say so many things where I'm just like, oh my God, like, are we like sisters? Because I feel like there's so much <laughs> of what you've said that uh, I totally uh, relate with. And I've talked about it on, an ep- on other episodes, but I remember, you know, back 
when I was in college, I was like, okay, cool. I know I like, I love public speaking and I know I want to help people. Like, how do I make a job out of this? Right. So that was my purpose. Like that's purpose, right? These are the things that I know that like I'm here on this planet earth to do is I like, I want to speak out loud and I want to help people. And like, I need to figure out how I can make a job out of that. So the interesting thing I think for a lot of people and, and the key message I want to make sure that people take away is like, get really quiet and understand who you are as a human being and what makes you tick. Mm -hmm. And, and then ask yourself, like, what can you do with that? Because nine times out of 10, we have pigeonholed ourselves into thinking that those qualities land in just one specific career or one specific role or one specific job. And like, likely there are so many different avenues that you can take your purpose down, things that are going to light you up, things that are going to make you feel like you're on this earth for a reason and just like, really just like set, set you on fire. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that's important to, to pull out of that. And that goes hand in hand with chase purpose, not money. Because think about it. Many of us are not taught that coming out of college. We are taught right. to look for the the gig or the opportunity that's going to pay the most money and give us benefits and has a full package, right? We're not even looking at, does this make me tick? Is this something that I'm excited about? Am I really passionate? Most people are excited about the benefits package. Let's be real. Like most people are excited about the salary, right? right. And then they get oh. someplace and then they go, I don't like this. I don't like these people. I don't like this environment. And, and that's what happens. Sometimes we take the right gift like to the wrong place. And then we start to question the gift. It's like, no, the gift is the gift. You're using it with the wrong people. The gift is good. The gift is good. Don't the question gift the gift. The gift yeah. is good, but you're using it in the wrong environment. And then instead of questioning the environment, you question mm -hmm. yourself. You question the gift. And now you look up and 5, 10, 15, 20 years have gone by and you're like, what the heck have I been doing? Right. Yeah. And so when I say chase purpose, not money, it's not because I live in some fairy tale world where I, where we don't need money. I'm very clear. Um, I'm a pretty astute businesswoman. <laughs> like, I'm very clear that we need money. Just don't make all of your decisions based on the paycheck attached to it. Because before right. I was doing this, before I had this career, when I first came to Atlanta, so after living um, in New Orleans, I quickly also fled from New Orleans. I was there for less than a year in Metairie, this Louisiana. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I ended up living on my brother's couch for a couple months here in Atlanta. And this is in 2010. I ended up living, living on my brother's couch in Atlanta. And I knew, like you said, what makes me tick? I started to go, well, what energizes me? What pumps me up? Okay, I know I like to talk. I like to write. I've always been told I was a good writer. And I was starting to figure that whole process out. And I said, well, what can I do in the meantime until I find a job that actually does that? And I was on LinkedIn. I was doing my thing. I was, you know, trying to get jobs. But in the meantime, I volunteered. And I sent emails to about four or five different financial education, like, uh, nonprofits here in Atlanta, and two of them responded. And I ended up volunteering at two of those nonprofits. And when I tell you, it lit me up. Didn't pay me jack, but it lit me up. And it started to expose me and like open my brain to the possibilities because before then, I didn't know that people did this. Like financial education 
is what I did even during my real estate and mortgage broker days. I used to go out and teach homebuyer workshops. I used to go out mm-hmm. and teach people, you know, debt elimination and all these things because that's how they became clients. That's how we grew that business. I was out speaking. Mm-hmm. I didn't think speaking was the thing. I thought it was a way to bring people in to the real estate business. That was it. So when I started to volunteer at the nonprofits and realized people were actually paying money like for folks to do this, I said, oh my gosh, this is a thing, right? And that's yep. the thing. One thing can change everything. It literally unlocked all of this potential that I did not even know existed before I came to Atlanta. I had never seen it. I had never heard of it. I just didn't have an awareness that you could do this. And once that seed was planted, it started to put me down the path that became the career that I have now. And so even if I couldn't work in it full time, which eventually I did, but even if I couldn't work in it full time, volunteering added a level of fulfillment that I could have never imagined. And it wasn't just the volunteering. Again, it was the relationships, the exposure, the new connections, the new way of thinking, the new resources, changing my life. But it wasn't a job. Not yet. Not yet. It became one in 2011. But in 2010, that first year, it wasn't a job. It was volunteering. And it's still, and I remember people going, how do you have time to volunteer? Shouldn't you be looking for a job? It's like, well, can I look for a job 24 hours a day? No, I definitely can at least go to these places and give 12 hours a week, 15 hours a week. Right, and that right. was the thing. That was the thing for me that changed everything. Wow. I swear, because our I swear our stories are so similar in, in, in so many ways. It's crazy. And, you know, I used, I used to give myself a hard time about repeating stories on like the podcast, but like, you know, maybe somebody's coming into this episode and never heard my story mm-hmm. either. So like, you know, whatever. Um, because I was I had moved out to LA, you know, we get a little bit confused, right? Because we're just like, okay, like, I think I I know, I know these things to be true about myself. Like, okay, I'm gonna be a TV host, right? So I'm like, I want to be on E! News. Cool, cool, cool. So I'm auditioning all the time. I'm, you know, doing the whole bit, like going down that route. And like, it was going okay. I was finding some success. And I think, you know, if you continue to pursue something, and you're consistent, I think eventually I would have found success in that realm. Um, Do I think I would have been happy there? No, I think it would have been exactly like what we talked about before, where it's like, okay, I worked so hard for this, and you get the job, or you find the thing. And you're like, wait, I don't even want to be here. Um, but yeah, so like I was pursuing that. And then in the meantime, I was working at the front desk at SoulCycle. And then I was like, okay, cool. Like I can make more money if I become a SoulCycle instructor. Um, you know, so I was like, I can still go to my auditions. I have flexible hours. I was like, oh, cool. That makes sense. Like, let me try and do that. And like, didn't really put too much into the audition. Didn't really care that much, whatever. And then like, by the grace of God, got in. And then I was like, oh, okay, cool. So like, I guess I'll, I'm gonna do that. So I like go into the job and I, I will never forget going into training and showing up and being like, literally the first day I mic'd up and I was like, oh, that aha moment that I was like, oh, this here, oh my God, mm. light bulb. I get to public, I'm public speaking and I get to help people. Yeah. Like, Oh my God. I was like, I never thought that it would come in this vessel. I never in a million years dreamt that this would be the vehicle to do that. And which is why I I talk so much on this podcast about not 
using tunnel vision for your dream because there are things in your peripheral vision that you cannot see that are there for you, waiting for you to be uncovered, to be discovered, like that are actually like there's different avenues to fulfill your purpose. And so it's crazy because I think in hindsight, I'm like, yeah, like the TV hosting thing, that only covered one of those two things that I know light me up. Mm-hmm. And it's, that means it's not a full match and we need a full match to really feel alive and like we're walking in purpose on purpose. Yeah. Um, you know, it's got to be a full match. It can't be a half. It can't, you know what I mean? What do they say? You you, you got to, you don't use your half ass, you use your whole ass. I don't know. <laughs> Something like Wait, that. Wait, this is so good. I love that story and I'm so glad that you shared it with me. Um, it reminds me of what Lisa Nichols uh, taught me which is be committed to the vision, not attached to how you get there. Oh my Mm. gosh, has that served me? I am committed to the bigger vision. I know that I have gifts to contribute. I know that I'm supposed to impact people in a mighty way, but an attachment to what it looks like? No, I'm flexible. Like we're in a new year right now, right? January 1st, some of us wrote down New Year's resolutions. Um, I say that with the eye roll because I don't really believe in that. I believe in results, like not just resolutions. But, you know, we write down these things and we have this very specific way that we think the year should unfold. And I don't know about you. I'm 40 years old. I have learned that that crap never freaking works. Like you might as well just buckle up, have an idea of what you would like to create. Um, and and be ready for the ride because life has so much more to offer than what we think it should when we have tunnel vision. And we're like, it must look like this. And I always say we miss out on so many blessings along the way. Those blessings, those opportunities come disguised as so many different things. Like you don't know it's going to be the thing until hindsight, you're looking back and you're like, damn, that was the thing, right? But Mm -hmm. when we don't say yes and we don't allow ourselves to explore and we don't allow ourselves to do, because the other thing is, I think some of us are thinking about this purpose thing so much and we're so overwhelmed and it's like, I don't know if that's my purpose. I'll have to stay here and continue to like figure it out, write it up, listen to more podcasts, read more books. And so all this time goes by and you've done nothing. But taking the next best step could have introduced you to that opportunity that would allow you to see, oh, wow, these are the one, two, three things that I wanted to do anyway. It's just not packaged the way that I thought it would be. And that's okay. Like when you're open and flexible, it seems like so much more of a fun journey, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. And way more fun of a journey. And we're supposed to have fun. This is supposed to be fun. You know, I think we make purpose work like we make it like hard work. Like I got to find my purpose. I got to find it. I'm like, man, if we just embraced, we're like, you know what? I really like. Well, like you said, surrender, surrender. Yes. Like you started the whole podcast off. You got to surrender. And I watched your stories today. And so is Reagan's your daughter. And she's about to get her license now. So like, you know, she's getting ready to start driving. Yeah. This has been a constant conversation. Um, And yeah, she's going to have to surrender to a beater because for some reason she thinks she belongs in a luxury car. I'm like, girl, what job have you had? I'm trying to figure that out. What job have you had? What what <laughs> job? What job have you held down that would necessitate luxury? I 
I think you're going to get a thousand dollar car at best. So <laughs> I'm dead and I love it because that's the kind of mom I'm going to be too. Um, man, I feel like I could talk to you all day. Um, but I want to touch on just before this episode becomes like too, too crazy, crazy long. Um, I want to touch on you also besides being a financial, you know, coach, you are also, you coach people on public speaking. And so I want to just kind of dive into that quickly. Uh, you know, some tips and tricks that you give people who get nervous when they're giving presentations and, you know, how to create basically an outline to give a good talk on things. Um, just whatever yeah. you want to share that's kind of... Yeah. So, you know, I didn't you. set out to teach people anything about public speaking, honestly. Um, it came to me right before the pandemic. You know, those downloads you get in the shower? Like, I don't know about you, but mine's come when I'm driving oh, yeah. or like in the shower, all of a sudden it's like you know, I have a little vision and I go, I should be teaching people how to really take their purpose to the next level, your voice, because a lot of people have things they want to communicate or, you know, they're launching programs, they're launching brands, they're doing all this stuff and they don't even know how to talk about it. They don't even mm -hmm. know how to share the story about why they do what they do. And so I actually, I'll say this, I think that there's three levels to public speaking. The first is training. You're a trainer. So you have like a PowerPoint and you have very specific bullet points and you're like, do this, do that, do this. The problem with trainers are very interchangeable. So it's really hard to mm -hmm. negotiate when people ask you to speak because they're like, all we need is someone to talk about budgeting. That's, that used to happen to me. We just need someone to talk about the three credit bureaus where anyone can do that, right? Then there's inspirational right. speakers, real rah-rah, pump you up. And then you leave and you're like, what the hell am I supposed to do now? Huh? I don't know where mm -hmm. to go from here. What I call myself as a transformational speaker, I hope that every time I open my mouth, it shifts people's thinking to the point that they are like, I got to go do something now. I have to move. I have to incorporate something. I got to stop this shit that I'm doing. Like, I have to go do something. So that's command the stage because that was the constant response I would get from years of being on the stage. Because of you, I went and did this. I went and did that. And so I would say a big takeaway is to not be ashamed of your story. The reason we don't connect with the audience we're called to serve is because we like to tell very surface level versions of our story. We like to talk about ourselves in a mountaintop to mountaintop experience. Oh my gosh, I'm so smart. I have 20 years of background in this thing. I'm so phenomenal. Look at me. Meanwhile, the audience that you serve, they may be hurting. They may be in the midst of some transition in their lives. They're going through right, something. Right, you're missing the opportunity to connect. And you're saying, look at me, I'm smart. They don't give a damn about how smart you are. Do you understand where they are? And do you have something to offer to help them move to their next? You can display all of that, including your credibility and authority, if you Tell the truth about your story, not the nice version you want to tell, but the truth about why you're so passionate about why you do what you do and why you have the compassion to do what you do. That's the big thing. If you're not going to tell the truth, the audience is always going to feel that there's some invisible wall between you and them. And if they're already in their stuff, they don't feel like they can ever measure up. You're too good. So don't be the expert, be the guide. Well, okay. Damn. <laughs> Damn. Okay. 
I love that. Don't be the expert, be the guide. The guide. And that is so true. We do talk about ourselves and our accolades and things like that in a in a mountaintop to mountaintop view. I like that. Because that's the damn that's the truest truth. Because we just think all the time we need to qualify ourselves. Mm-hmm. We need to qualify, qualify. We need credibility. I need them to take me seriously. Let me tell you all that I've done. Let me tell you all I've experienced. Let me tell you like this mountaintop, that mountaintop. But really like what actually qualifies us are the valleys. The valleys. Right? The low points, mm-hmm. the bathroom floor moments. That's what actually qualifies you for the mountaintop, right? Yes, absolutely. Knowing what school you went to, have you ever asked your doctor, well, what school did you go to? No, yeah. people bleeding in the street don't give a damn about who went to what school. They're like, come get me, you know, bandage right. me up, like, sew this up. Right. I am bleeding. I need help. No right. one will ever stop and say, well, tell me what school you went to and what, what, yeah. Like, what grades did you get? What was your grade point average? When's the last time someone asked you that? Never in my life has that come up. Me neither. Maybe it's just because the, the field that we're in, I don't know. But uh, it, never in my life. And like, I busted my ass. I think I graduated with a 3.7. Um, right behind in, you, 3.6. 3.6, Dean's yeah. List, University never of Southern mattered. California. Nobody cares. Nobody no. cares. Like, which I have like, um, you know, writers who at SoulCycle who become friends and they were in college and stressed about all this shit. And I, and I, I share that with them because I'm like, I know you think it's the biggest deal. And I know in your world, it's the most important thing right now. The most important thing is what you're going to get on this test or what you're going to get in this class. And if you're going to get a B minus, you're going to get a B plus. Like, I promise you at the end of the day, it will not matter. I, you just got to like, you got to get across the finish line. Yeah. And like, yeah, you should aim for the A, aim for the A always, but like, you just got to get across the finish line. You don't need to like really truly beat yourself up if you don't, if you get an A minus. It's the biggest hustle. (laughs) Right. I'm also not a lawyer. So, you know, like I've got, got friends who are like, you know, trying to get into the best law schools, et cetera. But, you know, those same friends, they love to tell me anomalies, like, you know, random stories about, you know, the one person who didn't go to the top 10 school who has like this job, this, this position, I'm like, yeah, because it happens all the time. Absolutely. Right. Everybody's trying to convince you that like, you have to do it this way. You got to do it this way. But like, you don't in any field, in any realm, for any reason, like there's no one right way to do it. There's no one right way to live your life. I think the people who show up consistently, like freaking get the prize, like consistently in alignment with what they are called to do. I think that's all it comes down to. This is a solo episode that I just dropped a few weeks ago is the same thing I said. I'm like, I'm not obsessed with with success. And I don't think we should be obsessed with success. What we should be obsessed with and what I'm obsessing about right now is consistency. Mm-hmm. Showing up every single day, little by little. Sometimes you move the needle. Sometimes you take 10 steps in a day. Sometimes you only take one step in a day. But like, that's the point. Like it doesn't, you're still moving forward and it's about consistency way more than it's about anything else. So like, I'm with you on yeah. that. We're on the same Wavelength for sure. Yeah, I also believe as just a a last thought, I believe purpose doesn't even require perfection. So this killing ourselves to do all the things and, you know, I don't even though I talk a lot, to be honest, you guys, I'm an introvert. Like I can people to an extent and then I have to like, no, (laughs) like and that's for long periods of time of just like I got to be by myself and I don't really talk and I'm locked up in my prayer room and all that. Um, but I, I say that because I recognize that my purpose requires me to be obedient and consistent. It doesn't require me to be perfect. So even in all my imperfections, all my flaws, all the failures, all the things that I haven't done well, 
I still can be perfectly used and operate in purpose and attract success without obsessing over it, as you said. And that's been my experience these last several years. I don't obsess over any of this stuff. I'm literally just every day, I'm going to show up. I'm going to just keep showing up and and I'm going to commit to being of service. And when I can't commit to being of service, I'm going to allow myself to rest too, because that's been my lesson this year. How can I be content? Yeah. Not complacent, but content. Like, okay, you've done enough. You you can go lay down. <laughs> like, you're good. You're good for today. Um, okay. So, I mean, I don't know if that would have been the answer to, your, to the last question that I always ask, but I always ask um, to wrap it up. Like, what is one piece of advice that you would give your younger self? Oh my gosh. I think it's what we said, which was don't obsess over success. Like literally figure out the thing that you feel most alive doing that you know is also of service to others. So not just about you, but also of service to others. And then make a commitment to be obedient enough to show up consistently for that. And just watch how everything else is attracted. The success, the money, the relationships, the opportunities. You don't have to fight. You don't have to struggle and stress and strive relentlessly and keep coming up feeling empty or worn out or burnt out. You can literally let it come to you, but you have to make a decision. And it's going to go against the grain of all of your parents' advice, your counselors, your professors. (laughs) It's going to go against the grain, but oh my gosh, I believe you'll live a better life when it's all said and done. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being on. Thank you for having me. Wow. Uh, just, wow. So many mic drop moments, so much inspiration packed into one episode. Um, I think I just, I really love the reminders that our lives can be something really, really magnetic and really special when we are living in alignment with our purpose. And each and every one of us is here for a reason. And we all have our own unique purpose in this life. And so call it corny if you want, but like there's a way to live this life that makes you feel supercharged. There's a way to live this life that will make you feel like you are genuinely walking your truth, living in your purpose. And when we do that, when we get super quiet with ourselves, when we just take the time, to really ask if the actions and the things that we are doing are in alignment with our highest self and the things that make us tick and the things that make us come alive. Like that's when life gets really, really interesting and really, really fun. And we deserve to have fun, right? You're here for such a short time. We are all here for such a short time, right? And I think living in alignment, that's the key, living in alignment and being consistent, right? Don't be obsessed with success, That's not going to get us there. It's the consistency. That's what makes it all worth it. So continue to put one foot in front of the other. Continue to take your life one step at a time, one day at a time, and know that even if your bathroom floor moment was recent, maybe it was yesterday, maybe it was this morning, I don't know, maybe it was last night, maybe it was 10 years ago, who knows? But if your bathroom floor moment made you feel like you we're never going to make it or this is like as good as life gets. Just know that you can pick yourself up off that floor and you can get in alignment with your purpose and create everything you've ever wanted and more. So 
that's it for today. I hope that you love this episode as much as I as much as I did. I feel like I'm just like, it's something I want to like star and like listen to over and over again uh, for me. So I hope that you feel the same way and I hope you find a way to get quiet with yourself and live in alignment and live in purpose uh, and stay consistent towards all of your big dreams and all your big goals. So make sure you're following along on the podcast at Very Best Self. Uh, you can also follow me personally if you're into that kind of thing at Victoria Brown. And the biggest, greatest gift that you can give this podcast, if you enjoy it, is to please subscribe, share it with someone you know. That's how we get the word out there. Please, please, please share. Share this with somebody you love. Um, And beyond that, we love reviews and we love five stars. So thank you for all of that. I appreciate you and I hope you have a kick-ass rest of your day. I'll see you next week. 